0: I know that Disney has made more of an effort recently, um, but they're here, right? This is history. And so there's, I know a lot of people tend to think that the way to move forward is to pretend that the past didn't happen, but that doesn't actually work. And what we've seen is that what actually works is just acknowledging what's been and then learning to move forward from it and making some sort of reparations. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. This is Spiritually Ever After, the place where Disney meets wellness and spirituality. I'm your host, Kitty Pacman, spiritual mentor, licensed therapist, and major Disney person. This is the place where the magic of spirituality, self-awareness, and personal development meets the magic of Disney. You are safe to be your full magical self here. Now let's dive in. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to Spiritually Ever After. I'm your host, Kitty Pacman, and I am very happy to have you here today. We are celebrating Black History Month. We're going to be talking about the representation of Black and Brown people throughout the Disney catalog, primarily animated movies, but a little bit of Disney Channel. Issues of equity and f- kind of fixing the power imbalances that exist in our society are really, really important to me. Many of you know that I am an adjunct professor of diversity and social work at LIU here on Long Island, and I am a co-chair of my agency's DEI Council One of my majors undergraduate was gender and women's studies. And so I've been very interested for a long time now in really understanding systems of power to better understand kind of the human experience of being disempowered. So definitely not going to shy away from saying the things that I want to say, you know, especially when they are controversial, when they might be critical of the Disney company, because to me... I always see any sort of feedback as the potential for growth and really as a means of collaboration rather than as criticism. So if you are not here for hearing what I think is not going well in the Disney company then maybe this is not the episode for you. But if you're interested, I invite you to stay. Something that was brought to my attention a few years ago, back in 2020, right after George Floyd's murder, was the importance of, as white allies, expressing our own beliefs and talking about our experience as opposed to just amplifying the voices of black and brown people in our lives. And Essentially, the reasoning for it is when we just share what black and brown people have said, the only people that are going to hear that are the people who are kind of ready and willing and have the space to hear that. Whereas there might be people in our audience who will understand it and be able to relate to it better if we speak from our own experience. And either way, I think it also just speaks to authenticity and showing up as your truest self. I know for me being able to speak to a lot of this and speak to my experience of it just, you know, really openly these last few years has made a big difference for me. So, again, I invite you to stay if you're curious about this. And, yeah, so, I mean, diving right in. It's really no surprise that Disney has not been the best at representing black and brown and indigenous and, you know, AAPI characters or cultures throughout time. They definitely have been making more of an effort the last maybe 10 years or so, but they're definitely still very behind. So before I did any sort of research for this episode, I was only able to name nine animated black characters. And I know a lot of Disney characters. So this sort of blew my mind, just listing them out. And there were a few that I missed. But honestly, I really got most of them, which is so sad. Nine, that's under 10 characters, right? When you think about how many white characters there are, it's pretty crazy. Um, And a big chunk of them are all from Princess and the Frog, right? So we have Tiana. Tiana. Tiana's played by Anika Nani Rose. She was also in Dreamgirls and she was in the show Made. If you watched that, that was kind of cool for me. I watched that show and heard her voice and recognized her voice. And I'm watching and I'm thinking, I know this voice. And I got it and thought like, oh my God, is that Princess Tiana? And I looked and it was. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we have Prince Naveen, also from Princess and the Frog, who is not played by a black man. I believe he is South American, the person who plays Prince Devine, but I do know he's not Black. Eudora, who is Tiana's mom, who is played by Oprah Winfrey. This blew my mind. I didn't know this until I was doing the research for this episode. And when I saw that Eudora was played by Oprah, I couldn't believe it because while Eudora is sort of a main character, considering she's Tiana's mom... She really doesn't actually have that many lines and is not that big of a presence in this movie. So the fact that you have someone as famous as Oprah playing such a small part is just it's crazy to me. But again, it speaks to if there's only nine or ten parts to choose from total in all of Disney movies, you know, kind of take what you can get. Again, Oprah is one of the most famous people in the world. It's crazy. But so that's our third. Our fourth is Dr. Facilier, who is the villain from Princess and the Frog. Then we have the guy from Soul. His name is Joe Gardner. He's played by Jamie Foxx. We have Combat Carl from Toy Story, who is played by Carl Weathers, which is so fun because if anyone is a Arrested Development fan, there's a whole Carl Weathers thing in it that I love. Um, the girl from Atlantis, her name is Kida. I never saw that movie, but I did remember her. Um, Yzma, who is voiced by Eartha Kitt, another very, very famous star. And then Lieutenant Mateus from Frozen 2, who is voiced by Sterling K. Brown. So those were the nine that I was able to remember. The ones that I forgot were Frozone, of course, voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. I couldn't believe that I forgot for Zone and Cobra Bubbles from Lilo and Stitch. And then people had Antonio Madrigal um, slash some members of the Madrigal family in general um, because they're sort of dark skinned Colombian. So so even if you count all of them, we're still under 20 characters. And really, I would think it would be closer to about 11 to 12, depending on which of the Madrigals you would consider um, to be black. It's just crazy, again, if you think about the hundreds of white Disney animated characters compared to, you know, 11 to 12. Um, And then there are definitely a few animated animals that are voiced by black and brown actors. We have Mufasa, Sebastian, Scat Cat, the friend of O'Malley Cat, Um, Whoopi Goldberg voices one of the hyenas in The Lion King, Shenzi. Mushu, of course. Um, Simba's singing voice, Young Simba, was voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, But I don't know if it's that Jonathan Taylor Thomas wasn't a good enough singer or that they just didn't think that the black actor who voiced all of the singing parts for Young Simba could handle the acting parts. They wanted a big star. Um, So only the singing voice for The Lion King is a black star. And then one of the female trolls from Frozen, Boulda, So again, for me to only be able to think of, again, less than 20, it was 16 characters total that I was able to think of that are, you know, played by Black actors and or are, you know, represented as Black characters is just mind blowing. So as much as they are making the effort recently, clearly it's not enough because that is a really really small number and again a big chunk of them are in of just a few movies so definitely needing in general more representation and better representation of black and brown characters I had read an interesting article while I was preparing for this episode that talked about how a few of the black Disney characters and again not that there's that many of them but a few of those that are black are transformed into something else during movies. So sometimes it's transformed into an animal like Tiana and Naveen turned into frogs or into some other sort of non-human form. So like in soul, Joe Gardner is, um, you know, spoiler alert, there's, he's turned into sort of like a, a spirit takes over his body. So it's indirectly or subconsciously perpetuating this racist ideology that black people are less human or less worthy than their white counterparts. So there are definitely examples of times that Disney kind of directly contributed to the system of white supremacy. And then there are lots of examples of times where it was just sort of like guilty by omission by not including more black and brown characters. It kind of just perpetuated this ideology that whiteness is correct or is the norm but there are a few key examples of times that disney kind of directly contributed so obviously number one is song of the south there's been a lot of talk about this lately because of splash mountain closing and turning into tiana's bayou adventure which i am so excited about for those who don't know song of the south is a movie that was produced and now it's really you actually kind of can't find it anywhere um, Disney has stripped it from, you know, it's not on Disney Plus. It's not on any of the places that you can normally find uh, things from the Disney vault. And it basically focuses on this character. He's a black man, Uncle Remus. And he is basically telling stories, the stories of Br'er Rabbit, um, that are basically talking about kind of like how to get by and survive on the plantation. And it basically kind of like normalized and almost idealized the Reformation South as if freed black people miss slavery so just there's a lot wrong with it and just a lot a lot of stereotypes um and that's a big part of why Splash Mountain has been closed and will be rebranded and again I am super excited about it um because it needed to happen um and I know some people have had strong opinions on it but it's it was time and I am super excited especially for in Disneyland because I know they're bringing um, they already opened a store they're going to have Tiana's Palace the restaurant so it's time not just for the racist undertones of uh, Splash Mountain to go but for black representation in the parks like real black representation so very excited about that the second example for kind of like clear white supremacist or kind of like racist ideology in Disney movies is in Dumbo when we see the crows and one of them is named Jim Crow. So for those who don't know, Jim Crow was the system that was set up to basically continue racist and, you know, basically slavery type ideology throughout America, even after slavery had been, you know, supposedly outlawed for a long time. Um, And these crows are kind of widely accepted as a step-and-fetch-it jive, talking African-American, comedy act, like just really kind of um, making fun of Black culture and Black people. And then the last example that I found for kind of like clearly racist or clearly problematic uh, components of old-school Disney animation were the Black centaurettes in the pastoral scene in Fantasia. Again, just contributing to the idea that Black people are less than or are not human. I would be curious to hear what examples you have, because I'm sure there are tons that I don't know of. Um, But these were the first few that really jumped out. And again, I know that Disney has made more of an effort recently. Um, But they're here, right? This is history. And so there's... I know a lot of people tend to think that the way to move forward is to pretend that the past didn't happen, but that doesn't actually work. And what we've seen is that what actually works is just acknowledging what's been and then learning to move forward for, from it and making some sort of reparations. Um, you know, specifically the example that's coming to mind is with the Holocaust. So, I had recently gone for a tour at the, um, it's a tolerance center and museum and Holocaust museum on Long Island. And we got this amazing private tour. And what what they explained was Germany has largely taken responsibility for the Holocaust and has acknowledged it and uh, you know, teaches about it in school and talks about the fact that we can never let this happen again. And doesn't try to pretend that it didn't happen or doesn't try to minimize their involvement in it. I think there's a lot that we can learn from that when we speak about slavery and a lot in American history that, you know, to this day, right, the systems of white supremacy that make black and brown people that much more likely to end up in prison, that much more likely to end up in poverty, that much more likely to end up with XYZ reasons for them to be in these underserved and under-resourced groups that then consistently have worse off, you know, life outcomes because just because they're black and just because they're brown. So I did want to include some examples of things that I think Disney has kind of done right more recently. So the first thing that came to my mind was Disney Channel, that I feel like there's actually a few examples of Disney Channel shows that did have really positive representation of black families and specifically of black women. So the first one is the Proud Family, That's O. Raven. We had Cheetah Girls and Doc McStuffins. Those were, again, just the ones that kind of came to my mind. But they all felt like, again, like real women and not just, um, you know, the way that sometimes when a company tries to kind of backtrack and make, uh, you know, fix what's been done They kind of like go overboard and have them be this like angelic perfect character um, and then they don't feel real. I think this um, all of those characters are are really authentic and feel really genuine and like people you would really know in your real life. It's again it's not even like any of these really directly push a very controversial narrative or anything like that. Um, But they just really centralize black voices and black families As a normal voice and as a normal family on American television, so I feel like all of them were were huge for at least for my generation growing up. And then for recent animated movie representation, we have Princess and the Frog. Again, it feels like how can we not talk about it, even though it's not that recent. It came out in two thousand nine, which is somehow fourteen years ago. Don't I don't understand it? I really don't, Uh, but. If you think about this, right, this is more than 70 years after our first Disney princess, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And so it took Disney 70 years. And again, since then, we've only had one black princess. Um, So it's not enough, but it's a great movie. The soundtrack is amazing. I know I've talked about it already a bit on the podcast, but this movie for me when it first came out, I don't even think I had seen it when it first came out. It came out the year that I uh, graduated from high school. And so I wasn't super into Disney at the time. But when I finally did see it, I just fell in love. I love this soundtrack. I love Tiana. I love that she is not at all focused on finding a husband. She has a much bigger goal at, and, of course, ends up getting getting all the things in the end. But um, I just think she's a great she's a great character. But something that I had seen again as I was doing the research for this episode pointed out that Tiana wasn't born into wealth like most of our other princesses. And she, you can see, she's not living a very wealthy life. And she is working not one but two full time jobs. She's basically working around the clock. So definitely very different from the life they've portrayed for our other princesses. Even if you compare, right, with Cinderella, who, of course, we see doesn't have a lot throughout the big chunk of the movie but first of all Cinderella was born into wealth right and that was taken away from her and yes she's working but she's not working two jobs and it's not it's different but again um, I think there's something to um, seeing Tiana working as hard as she is Um, but it kind of buys into that like hustler mindset that um, that I know I try to move away from of just not feeling like I need to constantly be in the grind. But there is something cool about seeing a princess be doing that. And um, yeah, so I, I love Tiana. And like I said, I am really, really excited for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. It's it's long overdue. So I'm very excited. Another more recent one that again has sort of black and brown representation is Encanto so obviously? I've spoken at length about Encanto on this podcast. I love this movie. I love that, specifically speaking to you know this episode, that the Madrigal family are different shades, they're not all just the same shade of brown, right? Some of them are much lighter skinned, some are darker skinned, but we do see a, a range in that, which is really nice. Again, I've spoken a lot about this movie, so I'm not going to go too in-depth in here, but they just did this movie really well. They really learned about Colombian culture, and they made sure to, you know, to have all the details in place. So I love this movie, and I love that it, again, has that brown representation. And then we have Soul. So Soul is about this guy, Joe Gardner. He is a music teacher and a pianist and a black man, and... Um, Again, I don't want to give too much away about the movie, but he, for a big chunk of the movie, his body is inhabited by a spirit who is called 22 and played by Tina Fey, who is a white woman. So it's kind of like, you know, I know one of the things I had seen online about it is someone saying it's like his body is colonized by whiteness between being played by Tina Fey at one point. He's a cat. Like all these things. It's like, again, They don't just have a movie about a Black family who, you know, is wealthy and then, you know, comes up and grows from there the way that a lot of our other princesses, um, that the storyline is not necessarily centered around struggle or around poverty um, the way that, like, you know, Tiana's story is. And with Soul, this idea of him, you know, again, he... Can't it can't just be about a black man, you know? It's a black man who is taken over by a white woman's voice, um, and it's helpful to have the representation. And it was a decent movie. Honestly, it wasn't my favorite, um, but it was a decent movie. And again, just good to have the representation. Um, and something else is just this thought of that there are definitely movies, and I only know of a few of them off the top of my head, but. But there are definitely movies, more recent movies that have characters that kind of like didn't need to be black and they don't even bring up that much about their blackness, but they're black nonetheless or they're brown. Um, And so to me, again, this just speaks to having the people in movies actually look like the people of our world as opposed to having everyone look the exact same. So I know, obviously, they do this in Frozen 2. We see it a little bit in Frozen 1, I think. I can't really remember, to be honest with you, off the top of my head. But in Frozen 2, we definitely see a bit more of the people in the town, and a lot of them are black. Again, not. I guess I shouldn't say a lot, because there could definitely be more. Um, but there's a good number. And obviously, especially with the, um, Lieutenant Matias, one of our you know sort of main characters in the second movie is black. Big Hero 6 definitely has some black people just again as kind of like those just regular characters. I think that uh Turning Red had maybe a few um so at least we're seeing that just kind of like regular representation, not even just specifically for black protagonists, but we need more black protagonists. And I think that again the pressure like Disney knows that the pressure is on for this. And um especially with Bob Iger being back in charge, my hope is that we will Uh, continue to see more more good things coming out of the Walt Disney Company Um, but I know I personally cannot wait for Little Mermaid it's coming out May 26th I am I might actually have to go see that in the movies I haven't been to the movie theater in so long and it's just not my thing but I might have to see that one in the movies just because I can't wait so let me know what you think about this episode I'm very curious to hear your thoughts And let me know what I forgot because I know I definitely forgot things and I would love to have this be an open conversation to learn because like I said, I see any sort of feedback like that as uh, really beneficial for my growth and potentially then for me to be able to share my experience with others that they can grow too. So if you want to get in touch with me, if you have feedback about this, you can message me on Instagram. My handle is spiritually underscore ever after or I'm spiritually ever after on TikTok. If you can leave a review, we would love to see what you think. Um, And yeah, get, get excited because we have some fun things coming up for future episodes. And as always, if you are interested in being on the podcast, shoot me a message. I would love to talk to you about that. All right. Well, until next time, we will see you real soon. Thank you for being here and listening. If you loved it, leave a review and or share and tag me. I would love to connect with you. I'm spiritually underscore ever after on Instagram and spiritually ever after on TikTok. See you real soon.